Straight from Washington, D.C., right across from the Capitol, this is Special Session with former Congressman John Porter, where you'll hear from the most interesting people in America. Here is your host, John Porter. Hello and welcome to Special Session here in Washington, D.C. on a very warm summer day. I have with me a friend of probably more than 16 years. Uh, got to know each other uh, through the political process, but then became very good friends. Her name is Tracy Brown May, works with Opportunity Village in Las Vegas, Nevada, but also is involved nationwide in, in helping folks with disabilities, really around the country. But before we talk about Tracy, I have to remind Tracy how I got involved with Opportunity Village. Uh, as a uh, city councilman 100 years ago, I remember I was invited to come to this place in Henderson, Nevada, called Opportunity Village. I didn't know what it was, where it was, but uh, I was a city councilman, uh, running for city council, and I was told this was the place to get pins made, campaign pins, which I still have a bunch of those pins. Vote for John Porter for city council. And then I learned that uh, you made other signs. So I was in office for a number of years, uh, and every time I would go back to Opportunity Village and make sure that I had all these campaign buttons. But uh, every time I'd come by Opportunity Village, uh, either Tracy or a gentleman named Ed Guthrie, another great friend, would say, hey, John, let's show you around a little bit. And I'd go, man, okay, why don't you show me what's happening? And, and I got to meet a lot of the families and the folks that were working there. But this happened over about a 25-year period, Tracy. I had no idea that you were bringing me in hook, line, and sinker to be one of the biggest fans uh, in the world for Opportunity Village. Uh, so then, as if you recall, I ran for state senate, and then it was like, "Hey, John, you know, uh, do you need an office space right? because Can we you help? know, do you need help?" Yes, and I, you. and you know, as a state senator, and it's this probably this way all over the country, but it was like. Uh, you know, we don't have a lot of space, you know, we really, we had some office space, but it was in, you know, 500 miles away. So you would say, and Ed would say, hey, you want to use our conference room? That's right. And then you would say, hey, John, Senator, do you want to use our <laughs> conference room for town hall meetings? And I go, sure. Yes. Well, uh, that happened and then uh, honored to serve in Congress. Guess what? It would be, hey, John, uh, we have these dinners and we'd like you to meet. Please Some come. of our families, please come give a speech. You know, please uh, be a part of the holiday season. You graduation know, day. Graduation day. And again, had no idea that 25 years later, I would still be uh, attending Opportunity Village events and getting to know the families, the, uh, the, the, of course, the donors, of course, which help it operate. Uh, but more importantly, all those folks that are there as you know, part of the family. So uh, that's a little bit of my history. And to this day, uh, I, I can't tell you how much I've appreciated that time in my life that you provided me the wisdom and the experience to try to help folks uh, that have disabilities. And been doing that now nationwide because of you. And, and we represent organizations similar to Opportunity Village all over the country, uh, 26 states, uh, maybe even 30 states in some respects, and other groups, there's 50 states. So, Tracy, I don't normally open up sessions talking <laughs> about what's happened to me, 
because it's not about me, but I thought it would be appropriate to set the stage of how important Opportunity Village has been in my life. You've changed my life. Well, we and thank you. I, I would like you to share some of your background. You're currently the Director of Advocacy uh, for Board and Government Relations at Opportunity Village. Uh, right. Prior to that, you were Special Assistant to the President and CEO, and Ed, and, uh, Ed Guthrie and Bob Brown needed a lot of special attention, <laughs> so I'm happy that you were doing that. Uh, prior to that, you were in the resort industry and then went to Ware High School. I don't know where yes, that is. Well, but. not a lot of people do. But yes. <laughs> having said that, uh, welcome to Washington, D.C. Thank you. Uh, tell us a little bit about Opportunity Village and why you're here today. Well, first I want to say thank you for, for the opportunity to be here and to be a part of such a great mission. Um, opportunity Village is really filled with love. And, and if you you look at the word love, OV is right in the middle of it. And, and so it's so important that we give people an opportunity to share their stories. Opportunity Village for people who don't know is a nonprofit organization, you know, based in Southern Nevada that employs about 1100 people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. The goal is to help every individual find where they fit best um, and then to help them develop the skills that they need to be successful in employment, in their social relationships and in life in general. We meet the needs of people who have profound and significant disabilities in a day habilitation program and we provide follow along services and community supports for people who just want a job. It's amazing. It's a wonderful opportunity to get to know people where they are and to help them develop into who they want to be, which is wonderful uh, in, on so many levels. Today, I'm here as part of a, a national conference, um, and that's what brought us to Washington, D.C. this week, where we had the opportunity to introduce a person with a profound disability that is employed at Nellis Air Force Base on our food service contract. So that contract allows people like Stephen, the, the gentleman that I'm here with this week, to be employed and work alongside non-disabled people every day. He earns a, a great wage, he has a great benefits package, and now he gets to share his story with peers, other people who have disabilities from around the country, other organizations, and more importantly, our elected officials, the people that are helping to make those choices about his future every day. They never knew who Stephen was until this trip, and that's what we do at Opportunity Village. So it's about developing people and building bridges, relationships, and introducing people to what's possible. How did you get started at Opportunity Village? I know what you did to me to get me involved, but how, how did you end up at Opportunity Village? I mean, they were blessed to have you, but how did that happen? <laughs> well, I think that's what it was. It was truly a blessing in many ways. I was in a corporate position. I worked for in gaming and thought that was going to be my career. And then I had a family that needed a little bit more attention. I had a friend that had just been hired as, well, her husband had been hired to start as the chief operating officer some years ago and he was looking for a support person. I was ready to make a change and so I figured I would give it a try. Um, and maybe I would go back to doing what I did before. And it was only this wonderful change, a transition, but that was 16 years ago. Once I got to Opportunity Village and discovered how wonderful it truly is, there was no way I was ever going to leave. It's I get to do what I love professionally for a really great purpose. So maybe it's a little selfish on my part because it is rewarding and I don't just have to go to an office every day. I get to go to an office that does great things, that helps people 
be better. Well, and, and again, the hundreds of times I've been uh, blessed to be able to be at Opportunity Village and your different facilities, there is this uh, energy when you walk onto the campus and when you, you meet uh, your folks at, at Opportunity Village, uh, and it's hard to describe. You know, we've, we've both been in the workforce for a while and you can walk into different, you know, whether it be schools or churches or institutions of you know, government institutions, there is a sense of energy and sense of in, enlightenment that is so refreshing and it, it helps me put really life in perspective but also realizing how happy everyone is to be at Opportunity Village and uh, to be a part of a family, to be a part of a community. Uh, your families uh, have choices. They can, can go wherever they want to go, right? Yes, uh, can. So yes. I can imagine if, if I was there every day, uh, I wouldn't leave. You don't, you don't. It's, I, I can tell you, having been there now for 16 years, I still jump out of bed every morning. I can't wait to get into my office to start to go to work. The atmosphere is one where you can be exactly who you are. If you're having a rough day, someone will notice and they'll give you a hug. You won't even have to say you're having a rough day. If you're having an awesome day, there are people there to celebrate that with you. Um, Bob Brown, our president and CEO, says when he speaks really very often that he sees miracles every day. It's so true. That's the beauty of what we do. You have to know to look for them to recognize that it's a miracle. But we see people speak that hadn't spoken. We see people walk that hadn't walked. We see people eat by themselves independently that had never done that before. Because they're here, they show up every day. And that's the beauty of what we do. And they come early, right? They do. That's what they I understand. Do. It's like they uh, get out of bed and so they don't want to go on vacation with their families. They want to be with their family Opportunity Village. It right. gives them such a sense of self-worth. It's just amazing. And what a stellar example for each of us to follow. There's a, a gentleman, his name is Alonzo. Alonzo's been employed at Opportunity Village for almost 30 years. And he's worked at every location possible. He, he doesn't come anymore because he had surgery and he was not able to um, sit in a prone position. But before that, he had a medical condition that caused him a significant amount of pain. You would never know it when you looked at Alonzo. When I would approach him in the morning and ask him how, his, how he was, his response was always super de duper. And he would pull Barney out of his shirt pocket and show you Barney. He was so, so happy to be alive and to be able to come out and interact with his friends. It makes life worthwhile. So explain a little bit about um, the population and those folks with disabilities. What does that mean? Because I think uh, you know, now being in this uh, almost daily as well because of you uh, helping nationwide on this project, uh, I run into uh, what I used to be in my mind. I didn't really understand. Didn't really get actually kind of afraid of it because I didn't know what to say or what to do. You know, I was afraid I was going to say something wrong. Sure. Uh, because there, you know, there is protocol. But uh, can you explain to everyone what what that really means. Uh, what is the level of uh, disabilities that you're dealing with at Opportunity Village? Wow. Okay. So, um, in starting with people who are in the Pride program. 
we would provide services to someone who would be maybe nonverbal, who would require toileting care or assistance with feeding. Um, many of our folks have G-tubes, which are intestinal tubes where they eat a liquid diet through and, and are not able to chew food. We have people who aren't able to speak with you. Some people have an intellectual ability of an infant. Um, so there's a significant level of care in that they are adults, so they're fully grown and not able to communicate or mobilize. But then you have people who have an age level or performance indicators like their you know, three-year-old, four-year-old, five-year-old intellectual abilities. And so we have to work on um, how do they communicate and interact with their community? You're right, there seems to be too much protocol or, or confusion around how do I talk to a person with a disability. The general rule of thumb is when you see an adult who has a disability, you treat them like they're an adult with a disability. That's correct. They're just people. We are all the same. When, when my, my child first came to work with me, Alexander's now 14, but he was probably five or six when I first brought him into the office and he ran into one of our custodial crew at the time who talked differently. And Alexander said to me, Mom, what's wrong with him? I, I looked at Alexander and said, nothing. There's nothing wrong with him. He's just different than you are, but we're all the same in that we are all human and we all deserve the same opportunities at success, at employment, at involvement in our community. And it's important that as we move forward as a society, we continue to include people with disabilities. Now the population that we serve are people who have intellectual or developmental disabilities. They're a much smaller group than the disability community at large. So and, and can we chat about that for just a moment? Uh, again, working uh, with OV and a number of others around the country, I learned early on that you have the ADA, you know, the Disability Act, which sure. is for physically uh, uh, folks with physical disabilities. Right. And you can pr provide ramps, you can provide light switches. I mean, I, I don't mean to oversimplify, but there sure. are things you can do for a physical disability, which are pretty consistent based upon uh, a, a, a physical disability, correct? Correct. But when it comes to the significant, uh, highly... Uh, challenged with disabilities, it's not one size fits all. It's no. different. And you based, you just mentioned the different levels that you provide. It, it, so I consider you a guardian angel and everyone at Opportunity <laughs> Village, but explain, how are you able to handle that, that spectrum? Because again, I know some of your folks, uh, well, just yesterday, we were blessed to be able to uh, help the state of New York with uh, there are organizations that are a little different, it's called the State Youth Specific Program, but bottom line, there was a young man in the wheelchair that uh, was so excited that he could stuff a hundred envelopes in a day. Yes. Now, the, the people don't, most people don't understand what that really means, so, yeah. so you're dealing with that yes. plus these others, so how, does, how do you do that? Well, that's a really good question. Um, we, when Opportunity Village first started, the focus was on education. And then the legislation federally changed and education became necessary in a public school system for all kids. So then we didn't need to be specific to education. Then it became what's next was well, an adult. What comes next is employment. So focusing on giving people the opportunity to find employment that best fits their needs was where the organization grew. So 
people would refer to that today as a center-based employment opportunity. So people who, can, who have disabilities can produce at a level um, or that's commensurate with their ability and right. then be paid a wage commensurate with their ability. That enables all people to work regardless of the severity of their disability. So that was where we first started. And then parents would come to us, family members would come to us and say, but my, my child can't do that, but my need is much higher or my need is different. And so as we grew in the community as an organization and identified the need, we grew the program availability to be able to diversify to meet as many needs as we can. Now I'm sure there are still people out there that have an unmet need and the waiting lists um, yeah, within just, the state prove Which breaks that. my heart, by the and way. And mine, There's yes. so many folks that need help. Yes. Our goal would be to continue as an organization to build as much strength as we can within our community. We are a community organization, so we rely on volunteers, we rely on donor dollars, we rely on, on the professional business community to contract with us so that we can continue to grow the resources that are available to people with disabilities so they can be employed in our community. So from, uh, again, as I've learned, working with all these different states and the different programs, everything's a little bit different. It's similar, but uh, pride of being different as well, by the way, of the different states. Yes. So your uh, operations, uh, a good share of it's privately funded, correct? Absolutely. It's through donations. That's so correct. you can help, uh, no matter what the, uh, the family's income level, you're able to help the whole spectrum because of the, the support of the community. We are, that's correct. So what, what percent is, is is private donations, just a ballpark, to uh, give people well, an idea. No. Uh, the best way to probably visualize it would be a three-legged stool, and that there has to be three, three significant funding streams in order to support the organization so that if we were ever to lose one, we would continue to sit. Twice, um, so that otherwise. was essential. Now, the, the state accounts, state reimbursement for under Medicaid dollars accounts for about 20% of what we do. Um, and then about 30% would be uh, fundraising dollars, those donations. And then the rest of it for us is contract revenue. It's about being a good business-to-business business partner. That's correct. And what kind of projects are you doing in the community? Well, you'll find Opportunity Village um, teams at McCarran International Airport where we clean the restrooms for Southwest Airlines. You'll find us at the Clark County Government Center where we clean the government center building. We have a great team out there. Um, we're at Nellis Air Force Base where we provide food services for the airmen and women. We do all their mailing services. Um, so you'll find us at Red Rock um, where we clean all the remote restroom areas and the visitor's center. So we're all over our community. We're also at four locations though where we do contract works, packaging and assembly, um, uh, packets for the casinos, flatware for chilies, there are so many things, Drake Automotive we do after market packaging for automotive parts. So we have great contracts. And some things with Cox Communications now as well. They're right, we're gonna roll that special so announcement out Tell, soon. So we can't talk about well, that. Well, right? I don't know that we can talk about the details. Oh, okay, but, but they're a great partner, right? Yes, they are. We're looking Thanks forward to, to hosting their board of directors. Yes, yes. thank you, Michael Bolognini, excellent, yes. yes. And, and, you know, Applied Analysis and Jeremy Aguero has done great things relative to our numbers so that we can share our story across the country. People know really what our true impact is. So, all these wonderful things, again, unfortunately most people don't understand, but hopefully after these few moments they now can at least... Uh, come out and visit. Please come visit, absolutely. Yes. But 
there's some serious things happening as well um, legislatively, and that's part of how we're trying to help Opportunity Village. Thank you. And the other, again, 25 or 30 states that we're helping. Uh, of course, none are like Opportunity Village, believe me, <laughs> uh, but all really great programs that are at risk in many ways. And I, and I don't want to spend a lot of time uh, on the specifics of the policy, but there, there is uh, some regulations that were uh, interpreted by the former administration, yes. uh, federal regulations. Congress passed uh, legislation, and the way it works, not to get into one-on-one in government, but <laughs> Congress passed legislation called WIOA, and then, again, we could talk about that for hours, but when, when Congress passes legislation, it then goes to, uh, to the administration and the administration then either, of course, accepts it, but then whomever's in the White House, uh, they then assign it to the different departments, different agencies yes. for interpretation. So there is some language that has been interpreted that is putting some of your projects at risk. And that has to do in, in defining what a work unit is. Uh, and again, I know this is kind of getting into the weeds a little bit, but uh, one of the reasons that you're here is to not only help educate folks listening on our, on our podcast today on yeah. special session, but it's to help educate members of Congress and, and sure. that's the Senate as well, uh, so they can understand some of the unintended consequences. So uh, you're trying to organize as many people uh, in Nevada and helping across the country yeah. because to a member of Congress, and I've probably met on this topic alone with 50 members mm -hmm. of the Senate and the House to date. Uh, once they have an understanding and realize that, you know, in the interpretation, it, it, in, in essence, could force the closure of workshop settings because there are people, there are certain people that think that uh, that community at, at uh, Opportunity Village would be a segregated setting where, in fact, it's a community, uh, it's a resource where everyone can work together. So. There's some very, very serious things happening that are putting the future of Opportunity Village at risk. Absolutely. Do you want to talk about that just for sure. a second? Um, the ruling that came down, first let me just say that the Workforce Innovation and Opportunity Act is a great piece of legislation. Yes, it is. It moves people with disabilities forward in their employment options. Um, sometimes there are unintended consequences when legislation is enacted, and those are the things that we try to educate our members on. So thanks for bringing that up to the forefront. It's essential. Education and building bridges. Communication is what will help us all to make sure that we're gainfully employed. The provisions in WIOA that for us are concerning would eliminate jobs like the ones at Nellis Air Force Base, specifically because the State Division of Vocational Rehabilitation is not then enabled to, to refer people to those kinds of jobs because they work alongside other people with disabilities. The federal legislation that's in place that supports that is Ability One which says there should be a certain number of people or percentage of people with disabilities employed on this contract. Ability One legislation was designed to push people with disabilities toward employment. But then WIOA and the interpretation of a work unit unfortunately undermines that piece of legislation. Totally so that, contrary. Right, which is conflicting for so many people across the country. So we're working to better define the implications of each specific job. And how is the individual in that job then affected? Do they work alongside other people that don't have disabilities? Are they able to be promoted? Do they get raises? All of those things that you and I would look for in our employment should be the same for even for people with disabilities. 
That's what WIOA was designed to do. Because we have people who are sort of interpreting the regulations in a more strict manner, they think if there are other people, too many people with disabilities working in the same area, then it must not be in the community. Yes, and, and that that is a segregated environment. Right. Or in fact, it's a community of It interest. is indeed a community environment. And what is community? Community is all of us. If we look up the definition of community, you're gonna find that it's like-minded people, right? You're in, in a like location. Well, we are the community, people with disabilities, the disability community, or our community in Las Vegas, our community in Washington, D.C. Our community is where we are, and it's what we make of it. Opportunity Village is a community organization that is meeting the needs of a specific population, but that doesn't mean that we're segregating people away from their greater community. I think that's the misunderstanding. It's a huge misunderstanding. Right. Again, as I meet with elected officials across the country, uh, one, they think that everything's okay, and, and they should brag about the Workforce Act, but they're now realizing it. And, you know, again, yesterday there was families here from New York, and then the week before we had families here from Ohio, and then we had North Carolina and Alabama, all these states. And again, uh, these families are able to express their opinion of, about having a choice right. as well. Choice. So why, why shouldn't mm -hmm. your families have a choice? No, they should absolutely have a choice. We all deserve that opportunity, and people with disabilities deserve it too. That means you can choose to live amongst a group of your peers. You can choose to work with your peers, people that you're comfortable with and around that support you and your specific needs. Bob's wife, Melinda, told this story over and over and over Bob again. Bob Brown's president CEO. Yes, right. he is. Just, yes. just want everyone Thank to know. Because that's what Bob is thinking right now. Why didn't you say what that's his That's all right, was? Bob. I said it. Yes, <laughs> president and CEO. Yes. And, and Melinda and their child, their daughter with, uh, who has a disability, Melinda talked about what it was like for their daughter, Sarah, growing up and not having friends because she wasn't around other people with disabilities. And then... When that finally happened, she developed her first friend, and then she developed a boyfriend, and now she's engaged. She's also employed at Opportunity Village. She goes every day, and, and she's happy. I think we all deserve that same opportunity. Well, and, and she has so touched uh, Melinda and Bob, who are two of my favorite people yes. uh, as parents, which has helped uh, drive uh, Bob Brown's interest in you know being the president CEO, a former publisher of the Las Vegas Review Journal, um, a corporate America guy that uh, discovered this part of his life and has brought that to the organization. But that's exactly what uh, is being shared today, and that's why you're here. But uh, we're going to need to conclude, but I, I think it's important before, talk about your organization, the A-Team uh, Nevada. Oh, the A-Team NV. Yes, yes. The please A-Team Nevada is a 501c4. We're a nonprofit social welfare organization that our members are people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. They come together to learn how to become more involved in public life. And we've had great successes in just the last year. We now have more than 600 members in seven chapters. We are statewide in Nevada. In Nevada. Yes. yes, amazing. Yes, statewide in Nevada. And um, it's nice to be able to represent rural Nevada, northern Nevada, and southern Nevada in one membership organization that is specific for people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. There were 150 people who participated in Advocacy Day in Carson City on February 27th. So the Nevada State Legislature 
Um, they met with their constituents who were people who had disabilities who, you know, were rode on a bus for eight hours from Las Vegas to be there. We have visited Washington, D.C. We were here last year with just a few of our members, um, meeting with members of Congress and, and the Senate in order to share our stories to begin to develop that. This movement is growing across the country and we're excited to be just one state that has an A-team. Um, it's a place for people to be able to be connected. Well, and, and as you know, uh, with the A-team and mobilization, especially in Washington and D.C., which literally the capital is across the street, um, members elected officials deal with thousands of issues in a given day, you know, from health care to world peace to education. And what you're doing so successful is you're reminding these elected officials because there are priorities that, that pop up every day. I know they mean a better part of my life and you try your best to focus on a particular area, but then there's always something else. But you're, you and the A-team and similar organizations across the country are doing a remarkable job of reminding elected officials, That's great. educating, advocating for elected mm -hmm. officials so they know so they know what to do to make a difference. So, uh, Tracy, May, it's so great to see you. We're Thank glad you. you're here. I know you're taking Washington as Thanks. a storm. Uh, yes. A lot of work to be done, but uh, I want to thank you for your passion, your interest, uh, and you just love all these folks. Oh, thank uh, you for what you do. And to help your patience us. of dealing with this project <laughs> across the street. But uh, Opportunity Village, as I mentioned, is a big part of my life. But uh, you too, Tracy, have been thank a big you. part of my life. So thank you for all that you do. You. Thanks for joining us today Pleasure. on a special session. This concludes another podcast of Special Session with former Congressman John Porter. Thank you for listening.